The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone... Everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity, the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. We are waiting for a guest on to the show. A uh, very dear friend of mine today uh, is a very somber day for her, and she is going to talk about that. So, in the event, again, technology, and everyone knows I'm new here, uh, we can't get her on. We will uh, report her interview. I'm going to go off the air and get her pre-recorded. We'll be back in a little bit. So how's everybody doing out there today? I'm trying to get her on. Alright, so what are we going to be talking about? It's a very uh, somber uh, situation here. Uh, basically, 27 years ago, doesn't seem that I feel old. Uh, today, Versace, uh, the, one of the last, the second to last Versace murder took place. Uh, basically, the whole story is this. Been a lot of movies, TV movies, and everything else. So, essentially, we had this guy, Andrew Cunanan. Uh, for whatever reason, a serial killer, they uh, five people he killed. Uh, uh, and I'm reading from the Washington Post. From July 17, 1997, he, for unknown reasons, he uh, went on a killing spree and killed full ending with Versace, uh, who was a uh, 
fashion designer. And his name brand is still out there. I believe his family is still uh, uh, in the business, so to speak. And uh, so basically he went out and uh, here it is. All right. He killed a man named Jeffrey Trail. Uh, right. And then he went on and killed another gentleman, David J. Madsen, in Minneapolis. Right. And then he ended up killing another guy, Lee Migland. Then he went out and killed William Reese, but it was also almost through a strange set of circumstances. It could have very easily had been by uh, the guest that we're going to have on, Alicia Bjornsson. And I'll let her tell her story and her thoughts on this. And then eventually uh, he went to, uh, and he killed Ver Gianni Versace uh, uh, shortly thereafter, after he told uh, he stole William uh, Reese's vehicle. And uh, uh, basically that's what happened here. So let me see with Alicia, what's going on here. Good to see you, Jim. Hey, Thank you for inviting me. Boy, it's nice to see you. I don't recall. Hold on. Let me see. Can you hear me now? I can. Can you? Hear okay. Me? This is going to be a little different because I am here. Let me see if I can do that. Okay. All right. I think this stream is good enough for us. And you know what? I always do a backup here. We're going to put you on voice memo here. So I, I just briefly, welcome to Safety Wars. You are like our first live guest here, believe it or not. Uh, All right. And you are on live, uh, not to make you nervous, but we are on three Facebook channels, YouTube Live, Twitter Live, Twitch, Telegraph, LinkedIn, and the OneStream channel. So well, thank you. <laughs> you got everything. Uh, okay, hold on, hold on. Do do do. All right. Uh, yeah, I did a very. Uh, I had the leader of the anti-global warming warming movement here, global climate change movement, Lord Moncton, and I was in a nervous wreck because I didn't have it on backup, and I was relying on all the equipment. I was like, oh, man, this is nerve-wracking, and it all worked out okay. So I went into uh, – right. Uh, let me teach you a little bit of history here uh, for uh, Alicia. I uh, – no, I knew this had happened or almost had happened. You had experience with uh, this situation. I didn't go into on the program what exactly we had uh, – discuss what exactly your story was. But I went over briefly what happened mm -hmm. to Andrew Cannon with the other four victims and then uh, and everything. How this happened was today, uh, Alicia posted something about uh, the murder of uh, her friend, uh, I'm kicking myself, William Reese, right? 
on her Facebook page. And I said, son of a gun, uh, we want I wanted to talk about workplace violence this week. And uh, no, uh, at least one day, and this was a segue, unfortunately, into the whole subject on workplace violence. So, uh, why, so people always say, well, what does this have to do with safety? Well, guess what? Workplace violence is a safety issue. It is an OSHA recordable issue. We know what that is as safety professionals. If you're not, go check my Saturday program from a couple of weeks ago where I go into all of what that is. And uh, basically, last week we had fall protection, construction fall protection. Four to 500 people, depending on the year, die in construction due to falls from height. We have a whole week dedicated to it. Well, the same about the same number of people die in workplace violence issues every year. We don't have a week dedicated to them. And I think that, no, I can't make the agencies do things, but, but I can make myself do something. So I wanted to talk about workplace violence, your experience with this. And you had some very, you know, when we spoke before, you had some very pointed thoughts on it. Here's some statistics for you, right? 23% uh, of employees worldwide have experienced some form of workplace violence. 481 homicides in the United States in 2021 in the workplace. Wow. That includes 387 workplace shootings, which led to death. We, we know that at least 25% of these go unreported in violation uh, of uh, OSHA or they're public employees and they work outside the OSHA uh, uh, rubric, outside the OSHA scheme, 50% uh, involves people in the medical field. Pretty startling, right? Uh, women experience 30,000 sexual assaults at work in this country a year. 60.4 uh, million Americans are bullied at work. Uh, uh, going on, and it goes on and on and on. These statistics uh, here, and we'll get into some of this other stuff. I didn't, you know, I could go on for an hour here. I have an hour worth of talking material. Uh, which Alicia is not surprised I would have an hour's worth to talk about. Right? So I've known Alicia since the late 1990s, just after this happened. So I went over some of the brief history. What happened that day? Uh, 27 years ago today. It's amazing. 26. 26. 26. 26. Yeah. What exactly happened uh, with this? If you're here, you know, and you, it's whatever you're comfortable with. I'm not going to. You know, it's one of these days where um, the day had proven to be normal at, at the site. We'd had a group of elementary school kids from an adjacent community come. And what they had all been eyeing was Mr. Miglin's okay, let's. Car. Let's back this up yeah. a little bit. Alicia was a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on the title, one of the state historians mm -hmm. at a historical site in New Jersey. What was the name of that site? Fort Mott State Park. Fort Mott State Park. And here's a little bit of trivia for you. There's a little bit of New uh, Delaware in New Jersey, on the New Jersey side of the river. And Delaware owns the entire Delaware River up to the shoreline in New Jersey, basically. And there's a cemetery that's associated with Fort Mott 
uh, but, which is a historical site in New Jersey. And this is the site of right. the right. Yeah, the, the Fins Point National Cemetery is a national cemetery mm -hmm. that was originally part of um, the military base. And when the park became a park, it stayed part of the Veterans Administration. Mm -hmm. So it is still, it remained a federal site. It's a half yeah. mile away from the fort. Right. Um, and w our colleagues at the time worked fairly closely. It was administered by Beverly National Cemetery. Right. Okay. So that's the whole setting here. And there was a group of children that had come to the they park. Were yes, they had been coming for a tour. And in the parking lot at that time had been this sh very shiny green car. And right. it was it stuck out because... It did. It wasn't from New Jersey. It happened to be um, much fancier than most people, and it was the color of the tractors that we see around here on a regular basis. That was and a green 1994 Lexus from the previous victim, Lee Miglin, from uh, Chicago, Chicago, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I think what really was so striking is I grew up in Illinois outside of Chicago, and you start hearing the story unfold from what had happened in Chicago, but not expecting nobody knew where this car had ended up and it turned out to be where we were working. So that's part of the backstory. Um, and the unusual feature was at the end of the day, we just didn't see our colleague. We go home, we leave about the end of the day and it's not till the story starts unfolding three, three hours or so after work that there has been a horrible tragedy. Right. You know, you just don't know it, but there were other people that were at the site. We weren't the full, full complement of staff. But I think what happens within the investigation for this is that the real striking thing is you don't really have email. You have no Facebook, no Instagram, no social media. Um, EasyPass wasn't common. Right. So there were a lot of features that... Um, investigations probably from a law enforcement side. And I can't really speak to how law enforcement does investigations, but the interview process trying to figure out what people was very different because you didn't have ring cameras or anything like that. Right. Well, in 1997, you had the advent of cell phones. I believe I had a cell phone in 97. Actually, probably at about this time in 97 is when I got my first cell phone. Uh, that's a story for another day. Uh, yeah. And, uh, no email. I had just gotten email in 96, 97. No, 97, I got email uh, right around this time. Uh, you were probably in the same uh, boat, right? Most yep. people, no social media. Uh, that Most of you had chat rooms on, uh, I was on CompuServe or AOL or something like that. Mindspring? I think you, Mindspring you were on, right? Yes. I remember that. I think you still have that email address. No, I, uh, sadly, yeah. I, I don't. I'm not sure it totally exists any longer, but right. I had a pager. That was the funny thing. I don't think I had come over to um, cell phone yet at that time. Right. Uh, Easy Pass, as I recall, did not uh, become common in New Jersey until like 99, mm -hmm. uh, roughly, I, because perhaps. I remember I got, uh, I got it in uh, New York because mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of work in New York, and uh, yeah, I was doing a lot of work in New York and I got easy pass because of, it was much easier to deal with stuff. And, you know, so you're dealing with a totally different time. You even had mentioned you were shocked that the Washington Post tracked you down, uh, to write their article, which I read from, uh, before yeah. you came on the air. Okay. So, uh, I guess 
I don't know if the I don't even know if the new reporters would have that skill set how to do that uh, back in, in you know today. Now back in the day yeah. there was difference. So this was like the last major case. It seems major before all this technology came in that was well, you know, documented. There's been movies and everything else. So uh, what else did you want to talk about with what happened? You know, as you had been hearing of the story unfolding, because that had been in the news prior to um, Bill's murder, you had heard some of the story on national news. But since Bill was a federal employee, suddenly you have a higher level as an observer and being nearby. Suddenly you have federal authorities involved, not just local authorities trying to string things together. Um, I, I, I think the saddest thing is, you know, how does this happen? You know, when you're in the role of public service for Bill, he was the caretaker of the cemetery for over 20 years. And everything was done with such care that if somebody wanted to call or was looking for a veteran that was buried there, um, you had the opportunity to speak to somebody who knew and probably had spent time working with the families for a burial that was there. And he was just such an exceptional human being. Yeah, I'm reading this article here. From uh, my understanding, his wife had a major health issue, from what I recall. Yes. And his son was a special needs person. That's uh, correct. And uh, basically the care and of both of them had been severely negatively impacted uh, by this whole tragedy. Obviously, with uh, any tragedy like this, the family would be uh, the family is impact. You know, it's a horrible thing. I can't imagine going through something like this. I don't ever want to be able to imagine going anything through this. And within three to four years, the family didn't exist anymore. Basically, is what uh, from what I recall. Is that correct? Or I, I believe you know this is you know as you come to this time of the year, each year you think about this and you just try to remember. Um, what we sometimes take for granted now or what makes a bad day. And I, you always think, you know, a bad day is when you go to a place you love to be and you don't make it home. Um, I, that's a bad day at work. And, you know, even at life, and you just have to stop and think about what you're grateful for and remember with gratitude and then try to remember those that mattered. And Bill is someone who mattered. Yeah, you always used to talk uh, about him, and uh, I would have loved to meet him uh, with that. Uh, no, over here, and I know how. How did your life change after this with him, or your working life? I should say uh, with the, you. I know that there were protocols put into place uh, that, that, and there were protocols put into place over ten years, probably after this happened. So yeah, I, I think people became more aware of when you were solo, how about perhaps um, whether it was formal or informal, but how your supervisor addressed the fact that maybe you didn't need to be alone on a site at certain times. We had a bell, at least on one of the doors, so that if you were in a building, you would notice if somebody came in the backside of a, of a structure. Um, it's one of the reasons when cell phones became more available just even today, you keep your phone nearby just in case you need it. Um, 
and I don't think it's necessarily a paranoia, but you're just way more aware. And from those that we knew in um, law enforcement, they use the phrase bolo, be on lookout. And just be be smart and be know, know what your surroundings are. Absolutely. Uh, now there's been, uh, oh, uh, I think a lot of the industries, they have what's called a lone worker standard or loan worker protocol, depending on you know, where you are, they call it different things. Uh, but essentially, uh, I think this is one of the high profile cases that led to that, all these standards with loan workers, all different types of things out, out there, protocols and everything else with that. Uh, so you're obviously more aware of what's going on. Now you're retired now, but now you're, uh, you were always more aware of what was going on with security and everything else after this. Uh, there's been a lot of movies on this whole situation. I know you d did a deep dive because you went through this, but you were potentially yeah. the way you were potentially if the roles were slightly changed, you could have been this victim. It, it, it was, yeah. 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 You, you take a look from that particular day, there were only two of us on the site that were actually park employees. And I think even as news was unfolding that day, they that it is said that the murder had happened at the fort, not the cemetery. There was, a, you know, trying to get the information done. And that was just frightening because when I started hearing that on the news and I started seeing the news, I knew that I was all right. How was my coworker? you didn't even think about what had been happening at the cemetery because they were sort of separate entities or was it a visitor or was it somebody else who had um, been there? But as the story started to unfold in the deeper um, investigation, as they start asking questions, you suddenly realize that the vehicle that we had seen um, leave did not have our coworker in it, our colleague in it. Yeah. So with all these movies and everything, was there anything you wanted to do to set the record straight? Because everybody, this is what I've seen on a couple of these shows and documentaries over the years. Uh, and by the way, this is like the first time we've had an in-depth conversation on this all these years because it was very painful, obviously, Yeah. Uh, with this. And we did not have a venue like Safety Wars live where we're reaching you know, potentially thousands of people here on this. Was there any, no, they concentrate on Versace, 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 which they should. He was the victim here, one of the victims and everything else, the most high profile one. Uh, and the other ones you could go and you could look up. I'm going to mention their names briefly here. Uh, in addition to William Reese and uh, Gianni Versace, there was uh, Lee Miglin, David Madsen, Jeffrey Trail, and Jeffrey Trail. Uh, was there anything that any, I don't know if you've seen any documentaries or anything. Was there anything in there that you felt could have been done better, said better, anything that stuck out to you with any of these things out there? Uh, I, it was more or less, uh, you mentioned it before, where it was the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, they don't mention what a good person this was. 
And then, yeah, he, he was just a family man who was so giving. He did historic um, reenactments as a Civil War, um, major Civil War buff. Um, because he was caring for, at Finn's Point is such an exceptional site as a government cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, the soldiers that died at Peapatch Island were buried at um, Finn's Point. You had Union soldiers who died. So you have Union and Confederate soldiers in the same cemetery. Um, you have some German POWs who are buried there as well, um, as well as soldiers up, I believe, through the Gulf War. I don't recall right now if the cemetery is still active for those um, who could be buried, but you're cremated if you're in that cemetery now. Right. Um, and now they've never replaced the, the caretaker. So you don't have the same type of personal contact when you are, are there. Um, the fact that Bill was a family man who had his, from um, the Vineland area where he was from, well-known, well-regarded. But sometimes the misinformation that was saying, well, maybe, you know, as they're trying to draw theories, we're saying um, maybe people, that there was a connection. And until they found out that this was just a random connection, there were other um, theories that were coming up. Some of the other um, victims were um, homosexuals. And you sit and go, I just don't under you know why that necessarily matters is it a hate crime what is it um and perhaps if you've i've not actually seen some of the documentaries because it's a little too close to home i know that when i have been to miami you can go and they'll show you they'll do tours to versace's just to say um this is where somebody was killed and people are executed i think people deserve better those that have died yeah I know uh, with my experience with the anthrax cleanups, I've seen a couple of those documentaries. I've just had to turn them off, especially the last one. I believe it was on Netflix or one of those other. Uh, yeah, I think it was on Netflix. I just had to turn it off because it was all baloney here. I was like, this is not the way things happened here. And uh, the victim, uh, that, uh, one of the victims who I'm very uh, – friendly with uh doesn't even won't even do interviews or anything with this because she still experiences a lot of ptsd and everything else because the uh, things could have been managed a little bit better as you know for years you were there with me working on working when i was uh, doing the political campaigns yes and everything else so you remember me on the political campaigns so. yes <laughs> and, the- and everything else i mean uh Let's talk about that. Let's skip. Uh, what did what was my opinion on the Centers for Disease Control after the anthrax cleanups? You thought it could be done better. Yes. You know, without pointing, you know, fingers, there were things that seemed, you know, with this not being my area of expertise, but saying if you work together, you do the collaboration, you do the initiation, you can do something that causes. Um, a, a timeline that says, this is what you do. This is, you know, your, um, how do you react? Disaster preparedness. Right. It's better to be prepared than to react. And, you know, even from within my time working within parks, disaster preparedness on all levels, whether or not it's with weather issues, um, systems failure, just to know what's in your, your area or what happens in an emergency. Who do you call? What is your phone tree? 
incident command, I think would be the best way now as it would be called. Oh. Mm -hmm. We lost the connection there a second. Yeah, there. Uh, well, you uh, and even with the disaster, I know you uh, had gone to a lot of uh, stuff on art for like museums and stuff. Yes. And things that are impacted by hurricanes or other natural disasters, restorative stuff. Well, everything's got to be planned out. Uh, is basically it. You have to assess things, assess, analyze, and act, as you say the triple A's here. Yeah. But that's about it. Uh, unless you want to add anything else, I wanted to get you on here uh, just to set the record straight for the most part. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I think the main thing to do is just to remember all of the people that um, perished at the hands of Andrew Kinnanen and to realize the impact because it goes forward, but just to make sure that you remember them and to give them some honor in thinking of them today. So Absolutely. thank you for the opportunity. No problem, Alicia. And uh, uh, that's it. So uh, wanted to thank you. It's been a long time since I've seen you face yeah. to face on this. So well, we'll uh, get a chance to catch up sometime. Absolutely. And that's Alicia Bjornsson. Uh, no, you'll find her. Uh, she, you know, uh, if you know, if you want to get into contact with her, you, you'll be able to find her pretty easy, I guess. So, or reach right. out or, or reach out to you. We'll chat. Reach soon. out to me. I'll get you in contact with her.